This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. We want to thank you for your awesomeness, for your goodness, for your loving kindness in our lives. Indeed, you are a faithful God. And besides you, there is none else. Lord, we thank you for saving us. Thank you for bringing us unto yourself. We are thankful. We are grateful. Please accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Lord, the next few minutes that I'll be looking into the word of life, Jehovah, we ask that you speak to us. Open our eyes of understanding to see Christ anew. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, thank God for the month of November. God has been good to us. Out of 12 months of the year, we are in the 11th month. I think God deserves our praise. Hallelujah. Not only did you make it to the 11th month, not only did I make it to the 11th month, but God squashed all the plans of the enemy concerning your life. You are here still standing. Hallelujah. Uh, the Bible said concerning Daniel, when the king woke up in the morning, I went to look for him in the lion's den. Daniel responded to the king. He said, I am still here. When they lock you up in the den with a lion, you are not supposed to be talking. He said, I am still here. So all the lions of this world have harassed and they have roared, they have done everything. But guess what? I'm still standing. And you are still standing. And I pray that God will perfect all that concerns you. In the name of Jesus. The good work he has started, he will finish. In the name of Jesus. So I started talking about the purpose of the life of God last Sunday, but we couldn't finish. Unfortunately, I will not be able to go over all of what we are talked about. Uh, if you go to our pod bin, you go to pod bin and look for maximized podcast. Maximize, maximized podcast. You can follow us there. We're also on Apple. Uh, We're on all of those... Uh, all of those platforms. I think uh, my people should do a presentation sometime, you know, for people to know where to connect with us. Amen. But we're going to continue today. So I said there are three significance of the life of God that I wanted to talk about. But we touched on the first one, and I had to make a hard stop at that point. But suffice to say, the point we got to, I, I explained to us that where we are today, in life in general, where we are today with the culture, with the society, with how we are living today, it is equivalent to the time when Jesus showed up on the scene. Because when Jesus showed up on the scene, it was during the time they called the Greco-Roman time. You know, Greco there is uh, the Greek, and uh, the Romans uh, were in charge. And the, 
the, the, the Jews were in a time of crisis. A time of crisis because their beliefs were being challenged. Amen? Because of the Hellenization or the turning them and making everybody Greeks, there were not many gods that people were worshipping. Gods available to them. The Jews were familiar with one God. Behold all Israel. The Lord thy God is what? One God. That was what they knew. But the Greeks came and showed them different kinds of God. They had an altar for the moon, for the sun, for this. There all kinds of altars. And then when they got to a point, they said, well, there's this God that affects us in a way we don't know who, what his name is. So they made an altar and called it the altar of the unknown God. That was the Greek. And the Jews had to deal with that. I told you because of that, there were four groups that formed. There was one group called the Sadducees that said, well, it is what it is. Let's go with the flow. We will worship God privately, but uh, it is what it is. But the Pharisees said, no, we're not going to do that. We are children of God and this and that. And then they put some things together on how to conduct themselves in that kind of environment. Then you had the essence. The essence just withdrew completely from society. They went into the desert. They said, we're going to live in the desert. We cannot allow and afford for ourselves to be polluted by all this pagan culture. Then you had the fourth group, the zealots, that said, we're going to fight. Not only are we going to push back, we're going to fight back. And they had a measure of success. And they came up with a dynasty within the Jewish confines. But you know human nature. They too got greedy. <laughs> so in fighting, anyway, the Romans came. And at the time the Romans were in charge is when Jesus was born. So the people were still grappling with, should we align with the Sadducees? Or should we align with the Pharisees? Should we align with the Essenes? Or should we align with the Zealots? I think by this time the Zealots had been... Uh, put in their place. The challenge for us today in the popular culture is there's so many things that the culture and society is telling us today that we need to make a choice. What is marriage? Is marriage between any two people in love? Is a choice the, 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 the church has to make. Well, the church says it is what it is, is the law of the land, and that's what we're doing. Or will the, church says, will, will the church say, this is what the scripture says, and this is what we're going to do. I was shocked many, a few years back, I don't know what many will mean. A few years back, I saw on Facebook, uh, reverend and first gentleman, these were pastors. 
a man, uh, another man married. It's a reverend and first gentleman. Why? Because a segment of the church is already going with the flow of the popular culture. You and I, on a daily basis, you are faced with choices. What am I going to do? Am I going to go with the flow or am I going to declare where I stand? Where do I stand? I stand for Jesus. I stand for the word of God. Oh, by the way, Tuesday is election day. It is utterly useless to complain about the society when the only voice you have, you don't use it. The voice you have to change, to at least impact the system in a measure to make some sort of change is by you voting. Make sure you go and vote if you are able to vote. Don't do anything illegal. If you can't vote, don't vote. But if you are a registered voter, make sure you make your voice heard, loud and clear. It is amazing the kind of arguments that will ensue in the church when you talk about abortion, transgender, and all those type of things. It's almost shocking for those that are of the old-time religion that that will even be a conversation in the church. If you are going to survive in this popular culture as a child of God, it's going to be predicated on one thing and one thing only, the life of God in you. And the impact that you will allow that life to have in you. The one thing that is able to transform our lives and make the difference in our lives is the life of God. Once you And I gave my, my personal example last week. I'm not going to go into that again. One of the mark of salvation is a transformed life. And that's the number one thing that the life of God does in the life of anyone that has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Transformation. So we talked about that. We'll go to number two. Number two is the life of God enables you to please God. Enables you and I to live a life that is pleasing to God. You know... <laughs> I am amazed that people are surprised why people sin. It's very simple. Sin is pleasurable. The writer of Hebrews tells us that for the pleasure of the moment, so there's a momentary pleasure in sin that encourages people to sin. But you and I, because we have the life of God in us, we have the nature of God in us, something in you should fight against sin. Something in us should say, no, that's not right to do. Even if it's something as instigating someone against somebody else. You are not doing anything yourself. You are just helping, putting... Putting gasoline 
in the fire of the argument that is in place. Something as simple as that, when you walk away from that situation, the Spirit of God in you should give you a check that that was wrong. That was wrong. I said last week that once you are born again and you have the life of God in you, sin becomes a choice. Can we say that together? Sin becomes a choice. Why? Because you don't have the sin nature anymore. You don't have the Adamic nature that sins at will. You have the nature of God in you. And because I have the nature of God in me, it is a given for me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. A dog does not struggle to give birth to a dog. It's a natural thing. The, the animal nature in the dog, as soon as the dog is born, he has that nature in them. As soon as we are born again, we have the nature of God. And you, <laughs> I, 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 I talked about this last week, the area where we have a challenge is us taking responsibility for ourselves. Amen? Amen? The Holy Spirit will never, ever force you to do anything. The Holy Spirit will nudge you in the right thing to do, and when you're wrong, it will correct you that that was wrong. But the choice you make following that is up to you. It's up to you. So the second point that I want to make today is that the life of God enables us to live a life that is pleasing to God. The reason for this is very simple. Romans chapter 8 and verse 8, watch this. Romans 8 and verse 8, it says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It means the contrary is also true. It is impossible. Somebody say impossible. It's impossible to please God in the flesh. It's impossible. Unless you want to contravene scripture. He said that is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Can never. You cannot please God if you are living and walking in the flesh. So we need the life of God. We need the nature of God. So now that you have the nature of God, what are you going to do? Now that I'm born again, pleasing God is no longer a choice. Pleasing God is a must. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the ninth verse. It says, so whether we are here in this body or away from the body, our goal is singular. We only have one goal. The goal is what? To please him. It's saying whether we are here on earth or we are in heaven. In fact, in heaven, you know, there is nobody. No, no, everything is just by the spirit. It's impossible. So it's saying for you and I, it is not a question of if, it's a requirement that I must please God. 
My life must please God. Let's go very quickly. How do I please God? How do I please God? Number one, be holy. Hallelujah. Let's read very quickly. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 through 8. Uh, first Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. It says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord to live in a way that pleases God. We urge you, we beg you, we beseech you. He's writing to a church he had founded and he's saying, look, we urge you, we beg of you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live a, in a way that pleases God. Don't go with the flow is what he's saying. Don't go with the fact that everybody is doing it does not mean I'm going to do it. One of the things I say to myself is, number one, my name is not everybody. Is anybody named everybody here? Okay. So my name is not everybody. So the fact that everybody is doing it does not make it right for me to do. He said, we urge you by the, in the name of the Lord to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. He says, you live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. Even more. So, in certain areas, you're already doing this, is what he's saying. He said, but look at other areas where you are failing. Amen? Look at other areas where you are not doing right, where you are not doing well. Praise the Lord. I know they've expected it will be warm, but I am cold. Anybody cold with me? It's just me? Okay. If, it's, if I'm the only one, I will just suffer alone. You are cold? Ah. So, I'm just saying. I'm not giving any instructions. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, so, I'm not alone. But you guys know how to pretend. You just sat there and you're looking straight. Okay. But watch this. Watch this. He said, you're already doing this, but do it more. Verse 2. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's will is what? God's will is for you to be holy. In some translation says sanctified. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Stay away from all sexual sin. You know, the Bible says there are some things that must not be mentioned at all in the church of God. Sexual sin, fornication, adultery. You know, we like to focus on fornication. All these young people, there are married people that are committing adultery. Praise the Lord. So when we talk about sexual sin, we're not talking about just a single or married people. A married man or woman that will step out of their marriage, they are living in sin. It says, for God's will is for you to what? To be holy. So that you stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body. 
and live in holiness and in honor. Again, it re-emphasizes it. The Bible says, be ye holy, for I, I, your God, I am holy. The scripture says, holiness without which no man will see God. If there is any hope of seeing God and living with God where God is, then holiness must be our watchword. Holiness must be our watchword. I, de I describe holiness very simply. Holiness is just living in obedience to God. Living in obedience to God. Verse 5. Not in loss. You will live your life in holiness and honor. Not in lost, lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins. This is scary. This is scary. He says the Lord. He didn't say the husband of the person you're messing with. He said the Lord himself avenges all such sins. All sins of sexual immorality the Lord avenges. As we solemnly warn you before. Verse 7 reiterates the same thing. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. The second way we please God, number one, is what? Be holy. Be holy. Number two, be obedient. Be obedient. And I have three different levels of obedience now. Number one, be obedient to your parents. Colossians 3 and verse 20. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases God. For this pleases God. You know, one of the things we have learned is uh, as children are growing, you know, you tell a seven, eight, nine, ten year old, whatever you tell them, they believe it. Hook, line, and sinker. If you say, next week, we're going to Disney, they will not do any calculation for you. They will just believe you. Next week, daddy said, we're going to Disney. Whether world or land. Anywhere we land is good. As long as he has Disney in front of it. <laughs> they believe you. But as they grow and uh, they learn that, okay, sometimes daddy's projections are not always right. Or mommy's projections are not always right. Right? As they learn that, they begin to doubt. That's why when they become teenagers, it's like they are fighting back. But that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says children always. Somebody say always. always. Did he say sometimes? Children. Did he say when you agree? No. He says always obey your parents. Why? Because they have the responsibility over your life. Friends, I beseech you by the mercies of God. If you have living parents, I know you are a parent yourself now. Please reach out to them. Amen. When they die and you throw all those parties, it means absolutely nothing. Take care of your parents now. He said, after this project, 
there will always be projects for you to do. Oh, I'm busy doing this project. And you have abandoned your parents. Number two, obey your spiritual leaders. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be to your benefit. Obey your parents. Obey your spiritual leaders. Amen? What we're talking about today is the plan of God for your tomorrow. Amen? As you walk in obedience to, in these things that we're talking about, your life cannot remain the same. Why? Because you are honoring God with your life. Number three, obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, if you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord, your God, will set you above all the nations of the world. Can I stop real quick here? You know, many of us, we have absolutely no idea what God wants to do with us. You know, many people, and we have seen that a lot in Salvation Center in the past few years, God has elevated many of us. Many of us have been lifted up far beyond where you imagined you could ever be. But you have absolutely no idea what is beyond that. There is a greater and a more significant thing that God still wants to do. But a couple of hundreds of thousands of dollars in a year and you are going all wild and crazy. Amen? Number three. So, that's obedience. Obedience. Where, uh, obey the Lord. We're still talking about pleasing God. Prayer pleases God. I'm just going to give scripture so that uh, we can uh, move on. Prayer is pleasing to God. First Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 3. He said, pray. Pray for those in authority. Pray for everybody. Pray for the nations of the world. Number four. It says, take care of your, of, your, of your parents. I'm going to read this one. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. This, when my mother passed this year, I cried so much. And the reason I cried, one of the reasons I cried so much is because I wanted so much to do for her that I couldn't do. If your parents are alive today, Take care of them. Take care of them. Know that they will not always be there. And for those of you that are doing it, I, I applaud you. I appreciate you. First, Thessalon uh, First Timothy 5 4. He said, But if she has children, he's talking about widows here or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home. It means before you are nice to people and everybody says, oh, how wonderful and how nice you are. He says, start from your home. Start with your parents. Take care of your parents. Look after them. Don't say, I am doing a project. Therefore, I cannot 
do whatever it is you ought to do for them. Amen? It says, your first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay your parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. This is what? Something that pleases God. This is something that pleases God. Number three, and we're going to wrap up with this. So, three reasons why the life of God is important. Number one, transformation. Number two, it enables us to live a life that is pleasing to God. Number three, the, with the life of God in you, God wants to prosper you. I know that one will get a better response. Amen! But it's the truth. It is the truth. The life of God in you will elevate you, will promote you, will put you high above the rest of the free. Why? Because there is a divine inspiration that comes when you have the life of God in you. The life of God in you will inspire you to do great things. Amen? The life of God in you will cause you to excel beyond your previous limits. If you have been here before with the life of God in you, it is increased. It is more. It is more. It is more and more and more and more. Praise the Lord. I am looking for... One of the things I I think, you know, I I might be wrong, I I think the church does not have a full grasp of the very nature of what God wants to do for us. We are satisfied with, I can put food on the table, I can uh, buy a house, when God wants you to build a city. If God wants to give you a city and you have three homes, and you are excited. What is that? Missing out. That is missing out. Why? Because what he wants to do for you is give you a whole city. A whole city. Amen? He said, oh, I, I have three scholarships for people. No. God wants you to have a university where qualified students can attend for free. Tuition free. You see that level of prosperity is too high for you to grasp. Have you ever, ever, I don't say that pastor is worldly today, have you ever imagined yourself having your own private jet? Excuse me, what is wrong with that? Do you know anybody with a private jet? Do you? Ben, do you know anybody that owns a private jet? Yes? Have you looked around them 360 before? You no, you, you've seen them in person. You've seen them now. Do they have second head in the back? So why not you? It is because we are not seeing ourselves the same way God sees us. Let me ask you: how did you think that God Jesus knew where the fish with the gold coin is? How did you know? Divine inspiration. The life in him. He is God. He knew, he knows everything. Praise the Lord. God can inspire you 
Amen. Elon Musk bought uh, Twitter for $44 billion. God can give you a Twitter kind idea that you build up. Amen. You build it, you create it, and after a while you sell it for $40 billion. When, when Instagram started, I was here in America. You know, I'm like, what is this new thing? Even Amazon. Amazon started when I was here in America. An idea. An idea. An idea. We are sitting, there's a, there's a commercial uh, that a couple, an older couple, they're talking to themselves. They need money. They're trying to calculate, you know, and there's people under them that are saying, do these people know that they're sitting on a gold mine? Anybody know that commercial? I think it's uh, some kind of commercial. <laughs> they are sitting on a gold mine, a, a, a gold mine, and they are calculating pennies. The life of God in you is able to give you inspiration to accomplish things that are unimaginable. Open your Bibles with me to Second. Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is what God wants to do with you. Okay, this is what God wants to do with me. <laughs> he said, and God will generously provide all you need. Amen. Then you will always have everything you need Amen. and plenty left over to share with others. Amen. Let me read this to you in the Amplified Version, Amplified Bible. He said, God is able. Somebody say, God is able. God is able. Uh, the people on this side, they don't believe. I said, God, God is able. God is able. What? To make all grace. Some grace. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Amen. Watch. This is loaded. God is able. It's talking about the, anybody here doubt the ability of God. No. God is able to make all grace, everything you need, is able to make it abundantly available to you so that you come in abundance, so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever you need to be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. He's saying what God wants to do with you and myself, what he wants to do with our life is to prosper us in such a way and in such a manner that has, has not even entered your own heart. He said he will make all grace available to you so that you will have all abundance in every situation under every circumstance do we not have amplified bible you can copy and paste he said and god is able to make all grace every favor and earthly blessing available to you come to you in abundance so that you must, you may always, always, and under all circumstances, 
and whatever the need be so you can be self-sufficient, possessing enough in every ramification of it. And so, so much so that you need no aid or assistance from nobody. Yeah. Understand what you have. Understand what you have. If you don't understand what you have, you cannot take advantage of it. As a citizen of the United States of America, you have the right and the privilege to vote. If you don't vote, nobody is not anybody's fault. He said, I, 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 I don't like all the candidates on the ballot. That's your problem. It means your vote is useless. You are not adding your voice and making your voice hard. Does that mean voting is not a right for you? No. You are the one that is robbing yourself and denying yourself. The same thing. The Bible says God is able and is willing to make all grace available. It always and in air, under every circumstance. You know, people will say, under this uh, circumstance, yeah, I, I cannot do that. Number one, I'm not under any circumstance. Amen? The Bible says he that is from above is above all. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am not under any circumstance. I am above every circumstance. The Bible says I am seated with him. Where is he seated? Talk like you know it now. So if I am seated with him, Far above principalities and powers in heavenly places. Why am I under any circumstance? If you are under any circumstance, that is where you put yourself. Amen? It is not God. You know, some people have taken pride. If I, I think poverty makes them feel holy. Lord, you see me suffering for you. That's okay. What can I say? Stop suffering? No. Some people enjoy it. It just makes them feel more holy. We will all meet in heaven. In prosperity and in poverty, we will all show up in heaven and some people will go, So this was available and I suffer so much. The Bible says he will open the doors of his good treasures unto you. Five people. It will open the door of this good treasure unto me. In the name of Jesus. God wants to lift you up. God wants to promote you. God wants to establish you. In the mighty name of Jesus. The word, here's the word of the Lord for somebody here today. I, the, the ministers, the board of ministers and pastors, we pray together three days, the first three days of every month. And here's the word of the Lord, the word the Lord gave to me, and I shared with the ministers. God is going to make some people finish this year very strong. Yeah. You will finish strong. Yeah. I will finish strong. Yeah. 
where we look back and we will celebrate together. In the name of Jesus. At the beginning of the year, the Lord said to us that there is a sound of abundance. If you have not had it and you have not, uh, you have not partaken of it, yours is coming now. I say it's coming now. In the mighty name of Jesus. God will arise for you. I say God will arise for me. In the name of Jesus. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to close with this. Deuteronomy chapter 15. I will read verses 4 and then jump to 6. The Bible says there should be no poor among you. Okay, the amplifier that I have says there should be no poor among you. When it says there should not be any poor among you, what do you think he said? You may have the poor, but that shouldn't be the case. You may, but that shouldn't be the case. And you will, because the Bible says, Jesus said, he said the poor you will always have. The poor will come when they see how God is prospering the church. So they will be present, but they will not be amongst us. You don't get what I'm saying. It means in the company of the saints and believers, God will lift us up. Nobody will be poor. Nobody will, you will not look to the hand of another before you eat. God will meet, he will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. The scripture the Lord gave me as the year is wrapping up is not our scripture of the month. The scripture the Lord gave me is Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. When you read in Ezekiel chapter 34, the Bible says that there shall be showers. There shall be what? Showers. There shall be showers. There shall be showers. There shall be showers. showers. He said, I will make my covenant with them is the covenant of peace. You will finish this year in peace. Nothing will steal your joy. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will wrap this year up in peace. Whatever is troubling you at this point in time, I speak peace. I speak peace. I speak peace. The peace of the Lord. The peace of the Lord into your life, into your situation, into your circumstances. Peace in the name of Jesus. He said there shall be showers. Showers of blessings. Showers of blessings. There shall be showers of blessings. This is the promise of God. There shall be seasons refreshing from the fire above. Mercy drops are falling. Mercy drops from us are falling. But for the showers we need. Please rise to your feet. And there shall be showers of blessings. This is the promise of God. 
showers of blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. If you believe it for yourself, I want you to begin to thank him. I want you to begin to appreciate him. This is our Thanksgiving Sunday. Say, Lord, I have heard your word. I believe your word. I stand on your word. And I say, thank you, Lord. I say, thank you, Lord, for the transformation Thank you, Lord, for the ability to please you. Thank you, Lord, for prosperity and increase in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Majesty. Thank you, King of Glory. The Lord bless you as he has promised. In the name of Jesus, Talia. I said the Lord will bless you as he has promised. In the name of Jesus, you will lend to many nations. You will lend to many nations. You will not be a borrower. I said you will not be a borrower. I will not be a borrower. You will rule over nations. In the name of Jesus, None will have rule over you, but you will rule nations in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, I want you to shout three powerful amen. 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 We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.